You're listening to an audio resource from Redemption Hill Church. This resource is not meant to be a replacement for participation at a local church, but an accessory to the care you're receiving from your own pastors. To learn more about Redemption Hill Church or to give to our ministry, visit redemptionhilldsm.org. Is Martin Luther a goat? Greatest of all time. We are here to discuss. You're listening to Cornfield Theology. Hey everyone, Pastor Sean here, Pastor of Redemption Hill Church, located where Logan? In the, well now we're still in Waukee. Well, Des Moines Metro. Des Moines Metro, Let's not confuse people. Sorry. (laughs) The the boundaries and borders of of the suburbs in the city. The gerrymandered. uh, Oh my goodness, (laughs) so much gerrymandered. Des Moines Metro. Yeah, Des Moines Metro, Logan Logan's Kane, Pastoral Intern at Redemption Hill Church. Good to have you on. Many of you have heard his voice. And you've also probably heard the voice of this guy to my right, straight in front of you, if you're watching on YouTube, in front of Logan, that is. Uh, Dean Klein, member of Redemption Church. What's up, man? Not, not, not a whole lot. I think we're getting ready to discuss one of the goats. One of the, You think so? Well, one of the greatest of all time, but he will. T- but Luther would never say that. He well, would, he wouldn't. But you know, he's he would dead. say that you know the goat is is Jesus. <laughs> well, let's. I don't. What if I told you I don't think I'd put Martin Luther in my Mount Rushmore in your top four? Okay. Mm. I thought goats went to hell. That's what it said in Revelation. Oh, st- <laughs> what way to get off track so quickly, Logan? I try my best. Well, we we that we, would be a debate for another day. But yeah, <laughs> we'll, we'll get we, into it. We uh, we did a we did a podcast on John Knox a while back. Yep, that was. Really well received, uh, a lot of great feedback that I received from people, um, and so we're like, "Hey, let's uh, get the band back together, and let's do this again." But let's talk about someone else that is probably more familiar uh, to people who study theology or church history or ch- history in general, right? When you think about just the general scope of Western history, you know you've heard of Martin Luther, whether you're a Christian or not, right? His influence, well, which, you know, we'll, his... which we'll get into in a moment here, yeah. Uh, before we get into Martin Luther, because that is the primary subject of today's topic, we need to do... Well, last time, Logan, we did two big headlines, but there's three right. of us today, so three big headlines. Okay. A couple quick, quick cultural headlines. I'm going to give mine. Logan, you've done this before, so you're going to go with next, and that gives Dean enough time to think about what's left on the table. I, I'm going to go with collectively... <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> the Supreme Court decisions. Oh, all of them? All okay. of them. <laughs> so Wait, you, can't, you can't use them. <laughs> uh, whether it be affirmative action. I made this argument uh, to you, Logan, uh, on a thread that we're on. I actually think that a Supreme Court decision um, with the the Baker in Colorado was the biggest of them all, actually. When you talk about free speech, you talk about religious liberty, those fundamental um, principles in our constitution. I believe it was a website designer. The website designer. Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, the the baker was like a couple of years ago from Colorado. Right. Yep, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, from a Christian perspective, I think that was um, the biggest deal, in my opinion. That'd be my big headline, uh, and it goes to show you, and this is in my opinion, that our cons- constitution is more durable and long lasting than we may give credit for. Give credit. You know, and, to our founders, and we're grateful that this court, seemingly by a, at least a five-four majority, perhaps six-three, mm-hmm. is—and this was a six-three case, I believe. Yep, um, is very sensitive to our First Amendment rights, and particularly right. our freedom of speech, mm-hmm. which we may get into in a little bit here too. But mm-hmm. um, that they are not going to back down on that one, right? And it's it's a these are scary times when that is under assault for all of us. Mm. And that's not a big headline necessarily from a Christian perspective. If you just take religion, our our our, our faith out of it out of the equation for a moment, just for the sake of an argument, that's a that's a we should be celebrating as Americans for that. Oh, absolutely. Muslim, Christian, atheist, whatever you practice or do not practice, that was a good decision. Yeah. So I'm for for my big headline. I'm going with all of the Supreme Court decisions, or at least the three that we keep talking about. Student loan. Sorry, I, I could have been debt free. <laughs> Logan was like, my principal tells I me was, no, but I, uh, if I, you yeah, wanna, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think it was a, the correct decision. I'm still sad about it. Yeah, I was so ready to thank you and Dean for paying my student <laughs> loans, so I didn't have to. But oh, uh, all all of them are big deals for different reasons. That one in particular just. Like, oh, you got to be kidding me. As one who had to take out student loans to go through sure. 
and who's paid them off. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, come on, man. <laughs> well, I haven't touched them because they've been delayed. And I was like, Ooh. oh, don't give me. Yeah, I was. A <laughs> What's going on here? Yep, I immediately applied when it opened. All right. gonna hand up. All right, so what's your one big headline? I didn't... All right, well, you stole mine. So the other one I was thinking of since the last time that we met yeah. was um, the church being voted out of the SPC. Oh, Saddleback. Yep, Saddleback being voted out. In California. Um, so Rick Warren's the was, I think, now the you know, lead pastor. Yep, more of a sort of church news event. Uh, they got voted out, apparently 75 people in the... 75%. 75%. Of the denomination agreed to vote them out due to ordaining a female pastor. Yeah. Um, and I was talking with someone at lunch today where they were like, well, it should have been 100%. So that's somewhat of a sign for the he was SBC. Like, what, he was like, what's with the 25 who said no? Did they and, vote out another church too? The one uh, in North Eleva- Carolina? Elevation they, Church chose to leave. Oh, they, they left. left. Yep. So those are kind of two big... Big and, headlines. And, and Elevation's a big church Huge. In, in Charlotte, North Carolina. And they've got some other issues just besides ordaining women. They've got other uh, issues. Yeah, yeah. Let's not just... <laughs> Stephen Furtick. That's and, another rabbit hole. Yeah. Um, and What do so, you think Martin Luther would say about that? <laughs> oh, he's yeah. he was bombastic, and, and he would probably uh, use words I can't even use here. On yeah, yeah, yeah. Of, yeah, that, yeah, that sounds about right. One of his many flaws. <laughs> yeah, right. He was a poet when it came to insults. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I think it's I think it's big church church news because it shows at least where the SBC is at right now. Because we, we mentioned this also over lunch of just how diverse the SBC can be because they kind of let a lot of different people join. Yeah, a lot of different perspectives. Um, because it's a voluntary, you know, cooperation with one another. But the fact that they stood firm on something that is clearly listed in the uh, Baptist, Baptist 2000. Faith, yeah, Baptist faith and message. Here, here's, here was the pushback. And I don't agree with it. I agree with the decision made by the SBC. And and so the reason why we bring up the SBC, Southern Baptist Convention, is because they're the largest Protestant denomination with, in America. Yep. And uh, they're oftentimes they're in the driver's seat of the evangelical bus. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's why that's why it's kind of a big deal. They're very culturally relevant when yes. it comes to the evangelical church in America. Yes, they are. So the the pushback would be, listen, Logan. We're not talking about a, a primary issue or even a secondary issue. It's not like we're going to the Apostles' Creed and saying we're changing this or the Nicene Creed. You know, it's just a woman being a pastor. What's the big deal? If you're if you're going to kick a church out for this, what's next? Sure. Um, well, the pushback to that is you essentially have signed on and agreed to a specific uh, statement of faith. Because I don't know if the, I mean, is it a confession? The 2000, It's a 2000 Baptist confession. Yeah, I think they call it confession. So if you've already like said you'll agree to these things, and I think that one's specifically laid out mm-hmm. there, like, and you break it, then clearly you get to be removed. Right. Secondary from that, I would argue that it's, sure, it's not a primary, primary issue. Uh, it's not a gospel issue, but I don't think it's tertiary. Right. I think at very least is secondary because it's about how do we properly shepherd? How has God ordained the shepherding of his sheep and his flock? So let's not underplay it. Like, it's important. Yep, I agree. Um, and I think the other thing that is important here that it's kind of a, you're getting into the weeds of the argument more. Mm-hmm. You, you, you impose a specific hermeneutic mm-hmm. when you arrive at the conclusion that women can be pastors. Sure. And I've been saying this for years. I've been saying that. How old am I? 42. I think I've probably been saying this for at least 15 years. The the hermeneutic that you use to arrive at women becoming pastors in the Bible, whether you like it or not, right? That the hermeneutic that's being used there is the same hermeneutic used to affirm and support the LGBTQ plus community from, from Scripture. That there's it's the same. It's become a, a slippery slope. Yeah. It's not even a slippery slope. It's the same hermeneutic. It's the same what way. What is that hermeneutic? Some, so be clear. The same way of reading the text. So so an example, because we don't want to go down the rabbit hole too far, um, is that everything was, we need to read uh, the New Testament in particular in the culture within sure. Leiden, right? And there's a lot of things in that culture that we, we're not meant to bring forth. You know, they were speaking into their time, and therefore, you know, we need to be careful not to use that same type of hermeneutic. Sure. That cultural, um, we, we, we want to make sure we reject everything about that culture. 
right and what was being preached into that culture and so that's just one example of kind of a hermeneutic there right it can become basically eisegesis because you're like what they're saying there might have been right for their culture but it's very not the same for the american culture therefore which makes which makes holy scripture relative right right so we're relativizing the words of of the text also my sentence there was a mess yeah (laughs) that's all right your hair is a mess hey i took a nazarene vow what is i can't so it's the vow where you can't cut your hair. Can't get married. Can't drink can't get married. wine. Can't get married. Well, I'm already married, so. Well, no. That's I can't, a, I'm can't get married again, so that's fine. <clears throat> and I can't go near any dead bodies. <laughs> okay. <laughs> He's not a Nazarene. All right, Dean, what no, is I'm your not. one? I just wanted to grow up my hair. Dude, one the, big the cultural one, thing. The one that sticks out to me is, uh, I think, one of the more significant rulings at a federal court level in Louisiana. Do you, are you familiar with the one? No. What was that? It was a federal judge in Louisiana who wrote a 40-page um, oh, yeah. response, and he made a decision that the Biden administration can no longer uh, coerce, uh, collude, you want to talk with about tech. real collusion, with big tech companies in, in basically censoring p- political opposition and dissent. And, yeah. and this particularly zeroed in on uh, the different views on COVID, for instance, uh, views regarding, can you hear me okay? No, you're good. Um, COVID vaccines um, and how beneficial they were, um, or masking, uh, a yeah. lot of different free speech issues that were being censored from social media and by these big companies. And government was, again, infringing upon our First Amendment rights of expression and freedom of speech. And this judge just excoriated them with yeah. a brilliant ruling. They've now appealed it. So it will ultimately go to the high, as we said earlier, the highest court, the U.S. Supreme Court, right. which is very friendly to the First Amendment. And so you can imagine how they're going to rule with this. Yeah. So it was a big victory. And they told him, you cannot even talk to them anymore. Yeah, I know. They had a meeting like the next day with Facebook. And they're like, uh, we got to cancel that. <laughs> but, but this, I have no confidence they will even obey this judge. Yeah. Well, it, my thing is what the government corrupt no <laughs> i don't even care what you know what party's in power it's just like <sighs> so, uh, all right we're um, getting we're really getting down the rabbit hole hey you hey by the, the way lab- can i go get my coffee yeah so uh <laughs> while he's storm his, spilled half of it while he's getting his coffee what do you know about martin luther like, uh, like take me back to your seminary days so what's funny about my seminary days is we we, we spent a little bit like significant time but like not as much as you probably could to really, you know, thread out and yeah. tease out all the different aspects of Martin Luther. So I know a general, general, you know, story of Martin Luther. Yeah. You know, I remember that you know he was you know caught in a storm and gave yeah, his life we'll to God, like that, like, yeah. like save me and I'll dedicate myself. So to so in your, in your seminary studies, was Martin Luther taught like uh, was he given a day, a week, a minute, a month? Do you remember? So we probably spent two weeks on the reformation and i think if you're a protestant you're only getting two we weeks only, of- well we only get eight <laughs> weeks uh and yeah, so this is church history two yeah. who's church, church history, history i don't remember i did my seminary online unfortunately so i don't have like the the teacher down it was a lot of self-learning but it let yeah. me serve my church as an intern yeah, so it was a good right. balance um but so there's church history one which covers from the apostles up to the reformation mm-hmm. you get eight weeks for that yep and then there's church history two which is from the reformation to the present day you also get eight weeks for that mm-hmm. so i think we spent maybe a week now that i think about it, maybe a week maybe two on the reformation mm-hmm. so martin luther was a part of that yeah of but course. there's there's so much in the reformation like we talked yeah. about john knox before and yeah um now so was your seminary a, is it a southern baptist seminary yes it's midwestern baptist theology. which is seminary. really interesting because I wanted to bring this out earlier. Um, I was watching an old um, broadcast of a Ligonier conference. Sure. Oh, yeah. And, and it was it was so so long ago that John Piper actually had hair. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. So um, you had hey, John. He still has hair. He's you just still, more wispy. <laughs> you had John Piper <laughs> sure. on the stage. You had Doug Wilson. Uh-huh. You had R.C. Sproul. Sure. And then you had Rip. Albert Muller. Okay. Mm. And they got to the end of the session. This is many years ago. This is during the uh, seeker-friendly church movement, uh, open theism. That's how long ago it was. Yeah, that's before and, the emergent church. Exactly. Thing going on, yeah. And so they asked each each 
each person on the stage, you know, what books would you recommend? What biography would you recommend? And what, you know, what biography? Well, it got to Muller and he said, without hesitation, Martin Luther. Anything and everything, particularly Baton's yeah. um, biography on Luther, which I think is one of the best. Um, and he said, read everything. This is a Southern Baptist speaking. He says, read everything by Luther. <laughs> it's in, and that stuck out to me. I mean, he, he and he's he's the Bapt, Baptist on the stage. Well, I guess Piper is too, but. Yeah. Um, and that's, it just stuck out to me there. All right, so let's get into the man the myth. The myth. The legend. The don, 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 And why Martin Luther's not the goat. Uh, <laughs> you're going to really hang your hat on that <laughs> yeah. one. Right. Did you know, though, that speaking of goats, that in most big libraries, according to historian John Todd, books by and about Martin Luther occupy more shelf room than those concerned with any other human being in most big, large libraries. Yeah. Other than Jesus Christ. Wow. <laughs> um, that, that's a little nugget. <laughs> yeah, dang. So, uh, so how's that goat, not a goat uh, position I'll, going I'll, for you? I'll defend my position at okay. the end here. <laughs> but I like Martin Luther, right? We, we sing A Mighty Forestress is Our God, written by Martin Luther. Um, I've read Martin Luther. I, I think I've probably read three or four, maybe five biographies about Martin Luther, one about his wife. Uh, Katharina, yeah, and that, uh, and I just love church history. So Martin Luther's a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a fanboy. Um, we'll talk about Mount Rushmore afterwards. Now, when I say he's the uh, goat, I, I, I don't, I have a lot of theological differences. Oh, certainly. I'm talking about his influence. There's so, so if you're talking about influence, no, this is where we're going to agree. But let's set the stage. Martin Luther was born in the 15th century, 1400s, right? He was born in 1483. 1483, and he was born in the Catholic world. And I mm-hmm. think as Protestants, we have a hard time understanding the the influence of Catholicism within Western civilization during that time. It was a very fractured church at that time. Uh, a lot of problems, a lot of corruption going on in the Catholic church. But that was, he was like a fish swimming in the water of the Catholic church. Sure. And so he, that's how he grew up. His parents were devout Catholics. Um the day after he was born or shortly thereafter, he got baptized, right? Um, he, all things Catholic. So we got to remember that. Now, what would be your introduction to Martin Luther and General Dean? Well, um, we're going to kind of take a slow trajectory through his life, but it, as far as an introduction, um, I, I want to get into that goat conversation real quick. Um, <laughs> Keep dovetailing back to that. <laughs> Uh, I want to. I want to read these. These stuck out to me. This won't be long. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. Um, another historian wrote that uh, Martin Luther's postings of the ninety-five theses on the on the ch- church doors, um, the Wittenberg Chapel door. Yep. Speaking of the Western Church, it sent. He says that it sent it into ruins within a few years. Yep. The intellectual life of the modern age would not have come into existence without Luther and the Reformation. Mm-hmm. So we're speaking of the Reformation in general. Right. Uh, another writer from Time Magazine, this is when Time Magazine was actually credible. Um, huh. Think of a significant aspect jab, of jab, modern jab. life, politics, education, religion, family life, media. You can't discuss any of these without mentioning Martin Luther. Not bad. For a son of a peasant, as he often called himself, who dropped out of law school. And so when you talk of the early years, um, nothing remarkable in his childhood. He was actually a very ordinary student yeah, growing yeah. up. And um, his father became successful in the mining business, he did. Hans Luther, and uh, wanted to, he wanted Martin to go to law school. And so he, wa- he funded that. Um, and, so he went to law school in Erfurt? University of Erfurt. Yep. Um, in Germany, so we're, we're in Germany here. We're in Germany. He was born in uh, Eis- Eisleben. Yeah, uh, that's good. good I know German. <laughs> no, don't. Well, and, and so he, you know, Martin Luther is studying for his law degree, and he actually distinguished himself as a, as yeah. a law student, but he was conflicted um, regarding what God really wanted him to do, what he wanted to do ultimately in life. And so... In July of 1505, um, he went home. Before we get there, 
we need to establish that um, within that struggle, even before this thunderstorm that we're going to talk about hit, uh, Martin Luther struggled with his standing before God. He he often saw God as the hound of heaven, mm-hmm. and he had he was noted for his phobias. In in life, for instance, Martin Luther predicted his own death maybe six or seven times. Oh wow! He was a hypochondriac. I mean, he he suffered um, physical disorder disorders, but the phobias were the ones that that were alarming. In fact, he. He felt like that he would ultimately suffer a violent death at the, as an expression of God's mm-hmm. divine judgment upon him. And it haunted him. And that's why he would describe God as the hound of heaven. In fact, he once said that if I could believe that God was not angry with me, I would stand on my head for joy. So... He leaves law school without any explanation, and he's headed home. And I think it's the trip home or the trip back that he gets caught. I'm not sure. Well, Was it? It, it's the trip home. So he gets caught in this thunderstorm. Well, let me back up so we just reframe it here. Uh, born in Eisleben, actually moved to Mansfield, where I think his father went, took up mining, and then went to Erfurt. To study law. No wonder his dad wanted him to be in law school. He's a freaking minor. Yeah, no. Like, <laughs> law school's way. Son, listen. Man. Take care of the family. There's a lot of options ahead of you. <laughs> I'm going to tell you what not to do. Dad, I want to join the mining business. Nope. No. No. <laughs> you can be a lawyer to defend the mining business, but you will not get in those mines. Why? Disease. Death. Anyways, um, he in Ederford after that little, whatever that was, Ederford he read the Bible, the whole Bible. That's when he was first introduced to, an, to a Bible as we know it today. So think about that. You live your life. You're in this very Catholic world, going to Mass. You're hearing the priest tell you Scripture. Maybe they have you know, manuscripts or something at home. Probably not because they're, they're not. Widely um, available. Yeah, widely available or don't have the money. And in Latin. And no Latin, yep. And so it's not until you go to law school where, you, where you're first introduced to an entire Bible. That's hmm. ins- I mean, that's insane in our, our American So you're world, saying right? that was his first exposure to the Bible? To the Well, not to the Bible in part, but in whole. Okay. So you know what I'm saying? And so I, like, can re- I can relate to that because so, I, I, my first Bible that I ever received yeah. was actually given to me by my local Roman Catholic priest okay. when, I turned, when I graduated from high school. Oh, wow. so okay. did and I never had I never had a Bible until I was like seventeen, eighteen years of age. But but in America, it was always available. Oh yeah, it was oh, just absolutely. a matter of like absolutely so I'm give it to no, you. No, this yeah, this is a different ball. Game. I was at Barnes and Noble. Why I don't know. Uh, a couple of days ago, you know, I always peruse the Christian section so I can get angry, <laughs> um, righteously angry. I hope. <laughs> but I, I did, was there looking for mere Christendom just to see, just to see. No, they're not gonna have it. Um. But their Bible section was actually quite large. Oh, yeah. You know, it's like they do have ESV. They have NASB. They have there is a reason why it's the number one <laughs> best-selling book in all well, of right. history. And, like, there was this, there was this gal, uh, middle-aged gal, who's you know, clearly was trying to be like, I don't know what Bible to pick. Mm. And I, I couldn't help her out. I was having my kids with me. We were in a hurry and whatever else have you. But I kind of wish I would have paused for a moment and be like, hey, ma'am, you need some help? <laughs> in other words, put that one down. <laughs> <laughs> So, anyways, that's oh, the message. I need a message. I got a message for you. Don't pick that one. Uh, all that to say, Luther was introduced to the Bible for the first time in law school. Covered right. that base, and that was that was a big deal. Sure, that was a big deal. So, where do we go from there? Let's go to the thunderstorm. Um, yes. So he's riding home on his horse, and there's a major well, violent a horse. So we gotta go. <laughs> I don't have any coconuts. Wait, what is this? Monty, Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Yeah, <laughs> Anyways, there was thunderbolts and lightning. It was there was a pretty violent storm, and it, it and lightning struck near Martin Luther, and it threw him from his horse, and he landed, and he literally had to feel his own body to see if he was still alive, and he he cried out that famous prayer, Saint, Saint Anne. Anne, I shall be help me, I will become a monk. A good Catholic, right? Like like if you're a good Catholic at that time, you're crying out to your patron saint, and as a as a guy who grew up in mining. Saint Anne was the patron saint of mining, so that's why he cried out Saint Anne. Huh? Sounds that, very, that's an issue you know. Yeah. Sounds very Greek having a <laughs> god or saint for every little thing. So, <sighs> so this one who, 
who who saw God as the hound of heaven yeah. seeking to he saw this as a sign from God mm-hmm. and he lived up to the vow. Oh yeah. yeah. Two weeks later he entered the monastery, an Augustine Augustinian monastery. Probably to the chagrin of his father. <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's play this out. Okay. <laughs> I'm Martin Luther. Okay. Your dad. I'm dad. I come home like come home to Mansfield, you know. Hey hey dad. Why aren't you in school? Uh dad, something happened to me. Uh yeah, you left school. <laughs> <laughs> uh almost got struck by lightning. Stuff happens. Uh I quit law school. I want to be a monk. Oh my goodness. Are and his dad had invested all that money. <laughs> dad get back to school. <laughs> I'm dad, I'm like, listen. I don't that care about going you. to the mines to pay it off. <laughs> you got to <laughs> I tried to save you, but now you're in debt. <laughs> Obviously, this is a what is it? A dramatic reenactment, <laughs> but it's an accurate. It's an accurate one. Oh yeah, because I'm, his I father like, was beside himself. Yeah, because yeah. you. Like, oh, yeah. I'm trying and, to send and, you to law school to get a good education, and now you want to go be poor <laughs> and be a monk. Yeah, I mean, I'll be richer than you in the mines. Because was uh, an Augustinian monk similar to a Benedictine monk, where you take certain vows, like vows of yeah. Uh, he had to sell. And, he sold everything he had, including his big thick law book that was given to him. It was a I mean, he he literally. Uh, Which, by the way, would have been really valuable. Like we're we're in this palatial <laughs> office and we got books lined up. Yeah, no, this was given to like, him. Like that's a big deal. That, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, later on, I this is just a footnote to this story. But later on, years years later, Martin Luther lamented the fact that he felt like he probably dishonored his father. Mm. But he he would also say, but oh, how much good the merciful Lord has allowed to come of it. In sure. his providence, and that's a that's a that's what God does. That's a statement out of maturity. Yeah, you grow up and you're like, you know, I I don't doubt anything that God has done for my for me in my life. I probably could have handled that a little bit better. Sure. <laughs> um, before we move on to like his life as a monk, so far, you know, if we're looking at Luther's life, I'm seeing a lot of fear. Yes, tons of man driven by fear. Yeah, you know, he basically goes to the monastery out of fear because he's fierce for his life so he cries out to his patron saint yeah um it's just interesting to know very well educated very learned because like he's handling law school yeah and was apparently distinguished what other reformer pursued a law degree john calvin john calvin pursued or did he achieve it i want to say he achieved his law degree and martin luther had to he gave up loser (laughs) sheesh well, you know, and it's speaking of the monastery. Mm-hmm. Um, as I said, he stole, he sold everything. They have to do a, a, a lot of vows. And I read this. It said, by all evidence, Luther was extraordinarily uh, successful. Mm-hmm. Impeccable was a later description as an observant Augustinian. Um, just as he had been as a student, he did not simply engage in prayer, fasts, and ascetic practices. Such as go, he he also he said he went out he he would often go without sleeping, enduring bone kill, chilling cold without a blanket, yeah, flagellating himself is that how you pronounce that Flag- flagellating, flagellating. Yeah, um, he pursued them earnestly, as he later commented if anyone could earn heaven by the life of a monk or the, by monkery he would made so, heaven. He, here's what we can say about Luther: he doesn't we, do anything half. Halfway? He doesn't do everything halfway, but he's also a very troubled person. Oh, yeah. Like, up to this point. Because he's felt the need to make himself suffer. Yeah, exactly. And so up to this point in his life, uh, whether it's psychological, whether that's emotional, whatever modern-day terms we want to import upon Luther's life, what we can say is that he was a very troubled individual internally. Exactly. In that fact, modern uh, modern day psychoanalysis would even argue that he suffered like, from Like, let's pull illness. out the DSM manual on Luther. <laughs> it's like, ah, uh, son. Some have suggested he's insane. Well, I was just going to say, we need to send you to the mental ward. And, and I'm not trying and, to... And, and so we get back to the question, why Luther? Because our faith, our Protestant Reformed faith, rests in in many ways rests in the in the hands of this, this individual. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's one of our forefathers. And, and I think it's okay to be honest. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. About, I mean, see the foibles and the achievements, you know? Yeah, I mean, there's only one perfect man that's part of my church history, so. 
Thank God for that. Yeah, truly. <laughs> Interesting to note, before I forget, Yeah. God doing so much through Luther, a peasant, mm-hmm. uh, and you calling him a common man. In a sense, Jesus was also a common man, a peasant. Yep, son of a carpenter. Yep, so just an interesting note. Well, I think as you look at history, church history, biblical history, I would say biblical history is, is our, our history. God uses the lo- lowliest, you know. Uh, who was Abraham before God and called him out of Ur of the Chaldees? Mm. And then her, to Haran and then um, to Canaan. And who was Moses? I mean, I understand he was the son of Pharaoh, but man, he, he uh, killed someone. <laughs> And then ran away. I mean, also before he was the son of Pharaoh, he was a he's an orphan. Well, he was a son of a slave. Son of a slave put into the you know, the yeah. river, and then yeah, someone has argued that that's one of the arguments for the inspiration of scriptures. It certainly doesn't hide uh, the, the 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 blemishes, the flaws, and the sins and, and the great God. sins of the people that God actually used. The people that are testifying of the book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and and praise the Lord for that because uh, we are. I think. No, I'll speak for me, but I think you guys would agree. We're just regular dudes, humble folks who love the Lord, who want to be part of our local church and love our local church and love the people who are around us, our families, our friends. Yeah. And uh, I'm really humble. <laughs> you know, Pope Francis said that after he uh, asked, <laughs> was asked, why do they pick you? I'm humble. It's like, uh, it's like <laughs> I heard on, a political man. candidate say that once, too. And it just. All right. Back to Martin Luther. <laughs> Martin Luther. <laughs> All right. Luther. Well, Sorry, he was. OK, camp. so he established himself in the monastery just as he did in law school. In fact, he would get, you know, I'm just going to briefly say he, he he got his he would get his bachelor's and master's, I think, in philosophy. And in fact, he, he was heavily influenced by Aristotle. But we're not, that's that's a side note because he, he moves on to Paul. And it, it's not insignificant when you study the thought of Luther. Like, how does Luther arrive at conclusions? Aristotelian philosophy had a major influence on his thought, and and you see that kind of picked up as he begins to read Paul. And, and I'm not saying, you know, Paul's like, you know, reading Aristotle or whatever, and he's very Aristotelian. We can argue that there are Platonic points and Aristotelian points that we read about in Scripture, but point to be made, Luther in particular was heavily influenced by Aristotle. Right? Yeah, absolutely. And so um, two years after entering the monastery, he was ordained, and I want to I want to pick up here in 1507, where this highly anticipated public debu- de- debut of of Martin Luther t- celebrating his first mass. Now we need to understand something about the mass in the Roman Catholic tradition. Mm-hmm. Um, that is what they during that that ceremony there is what they call transubstantiation, right? Uh, whereby the priest prays a prayer of consecration and the elements of the bread and the wine though they do not change become become the actual body and blood of jesus christ so this is a very important element within the worship of a roman catholic service i think i think the the way they put it and i could be a little off here there's a change in the substance or essence of mm-hmm. the bread and wine that they become the literal so, body and blood of Christ, but not its form. So it's still going to look and taste like bread. So this is where Aristotelian philosophy comes in. Yep. Because it is... I think it's... Pla- it's Thomas... It's Thomas Platonic. Tom- nope, it's Aristotelian. Okay. It's Thomas Aquinas who comes up with these Aristotelian concepts of accidents and substances. Yeah. Right? And that, that becomes transubstantiation. Yeah. So you, you, you see Luther gleaning from... And I don't know this for sure, but I would imagine he's... He's influenced by Aristotelian philosophy through someone like um, Thomas Aquinas. Thomas Aquinas, thank you. Hence, so, hence the transubstantiation. Yeah. So er, the, everybody's gathered. There's a, a, a significant crowd. In fact, his dad actually made peace with Luther's decision. So his dad was there yeah. at this first mass because everybody was anticipating. He had already distinguished himself in the monastery. He was a great public speaker, a great theological debater, a great mind. And, and he gets to the point in the service where he has to pray the prayer of consecration mm-hmm. and he literally luther literally freezes up mm-hmm. and he he can't even utter the words and, and and people in the audience are literally begging the words trying to will the words out of luther at that time and the father was embarrassed and 
and Luther. He's he's, fi- he's, he's he's saying from the background, "Hey, how about that law school, son? <laughs> how how we doing? Law school sounds real nice, right?" Now. Or he wanted to leave the the, the building in sheer embarrassment. Oh. So Luther finally just mumbled some words, and 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 he left in embarrassment. And and a I lot of people thought he just forgot the words, something that he memorized a thousand times. Sure, I thought he fainted and spilled it. Or am I wrong about that? I, that could be the movie I watched. Maybe that's a maybe that's just <laughs> added lore. Hollywood. <laughs> um, Hollywood. And and so Luther would um, he would later later explain it um, this way. I uh, love the old school no- notes, by the way. Yeah, no, Dean. Whenever you hear notes, <laughs> you ever hear this? It's Dean turning a page. Yep. He says he says at these words. You know, he says, we offer unto thee the living, the true, the eternal God. This is in the mass. And he says, at these words, I was utterly stupefied and terror stricken. I thought to myself, with what tongue shall I address such majesty? Seeing that all men ought to tremble in the presence of even an earthly prince. Who am I that I should lift up mine eyes or raise my hands to the divine majesty? Mm-hmm. The angels surround him. At his nod, the earth trembles. And I shall I, a miserable little pygmy, say, I want this, I ask for that? For I am dust and ashes and full of sin. And I am speaking to the living eternal and the true God. So you see that the, the, the continued spiritual conflict, the, the, the hound of heaven hovering over Luther. I'm reminded... Of, of the words of John Calvin, who wrote these words, one of my favorite quotes from Calvin, he says, Hence that dread and amazement with which, as scriptures uniformly relates, holy men were struck and overwhelmed whenever they beheld the presence of God. Men are never duly touched and impressed with their insignificance mm-hmm. until they have contrasted themselves with the holiness of God. And so that's that's really what happened there. He he believed that that was the body and blood of Christ, and he felt totally undone mm-hmm. in, in 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 engaging in this particular moment. Which in, later, by the way, you see a little bit of how he doesn't completely let go of transubstantiation. Luther would hold to a position called consubstantiation. I was afraid this would come up. <laughs> yeah, we don't need to get into it too deep. No, I'm, I'm just joking because I know uh, there's some differences here on that. There, there's differences for sure, but you you see from Luther, even when he debates Zwingli over the Lord's table, right? Zwingli made— That's the, where Luther started pounding the table. He pounds the table, and the le- as the legend goes, he wrote in Latin, this is my body, out right on the table. You know, get the picture of like a— And he's yelling it back. He kept repeating it yeah, <laughs> audibly. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, like I've, I would love to have been there. Cause it's like, oh, this is a royal rumble. This is like modern day WWE or WWF. I got them in the ring, and they're like debating over the over the communion and over the elements. Uh, Dean, could you hand me this note? Hold on. Which this one? Is, this is old school, folks. If you're watching on YouTube, <laughs> like highlight. I mean, I like, I love it. This, I do this with my journal. Highlights. It's called organized lo- chaos. Lo- things going places. Like, <laughs> I, I, there you go. It's called organized chaos. Only I can get away with this. So at this time, um, is Luther saved? No. No. So um, we got a guy who's... In fact, um, we have a guy that um, is so... You know, he's he's struggling so much that... Another one of the features of Roman Catholic teaching is called the uh, confession. Yeah. Where you have to... Uh, go in and confess your sins to the priest, and oh, yeah. he absolves you. Former Catholic, you and former I have done yeah, that yeah. many done times. Confession many times. Where, where I get back and and you get to pray. And you need to, you know, there's several options to pray. You can pray the Hail Mary, the Our Father, the Glory Be, um, your Rosary, basically, and you know the priest tells you you got to pray this, the Our Father ten times. You pray the Hail Mary six times. The Glory Be. Did you ever feel like you were totally forgiven and had eternal life after that? Uh, of course not. I mean, well, do I think something spiritual oh, yeah, yeah. is going on? Oh, yeah. certainly. Yeah. Did I feel like I was being Did you absolved? have assurance? So. No, because the weight of sin. Because yeah. you have to go back also. Yeah. So well, what yeah. Luther would do, he would go in there. My mind lasted maybe 10 to 15 minutes. I don't know about you. What, what, five, 10 minutes? In the, in the confession itself? In the confessional, yeah. You oh, had, I had a lot of time. I had a lot to say. <laughs> Dear fa- Hey, Father, it's Sean again. 
as he, you know, gets his coffee, sips it. And <sighs> yeah, goes, his coffee. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> a little Bailey's in that coffee, Wait, what's father? going on here? <laughs> yeah. Drink my change when Sean walks in. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now we're engaging in stereotypes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we're former Catholics, man. We can do it. Oh yeah, I can, uh, I can concur. So, Luther would go in there for hours, um, and 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 of course in the monastery when he would do this, there's only so much trouble you can get into in the monastery, right? And he goes in there and he's thinking of all these little things, um, and he would just he 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 would con- he, he would be in there for two, three, sometimes four hours. It would become like a marathon, and they got infuriated with him. Like, yeah. <laughs> come on, come up with some real sin, Martin. Um, I mean, I could see how could you go there because, like, Romans talks about, like, everything done without faith is sin. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, drink my coffee. Like, oh, did I do that with faith? Right. Because if I didn't do it with faith, did mm-hmm. I just sin? Now That's a go good admission. Yeah, that, yeah. Like, yeah. you could easily go down that you can, Oh, absolutely. So, and, so at the end of the confessional, the, the priest absolves you, yeah. and he says, thy sins are forgiven. And so at that moment, Martin Luther would leave the confessional and he would feel liberated for a moment. Mm-hmm. And then he would remember some other sins that he committed. That he didn't confess. And it would just, just drive him nuts. See, so it, sounds, the- it sounds like to me, because like, um, I was flipping in my Bible a little bit, is there's the passage in Ephesians 3 where it talks about, like, through Christ, in him we ha- who we have bol- boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. Speaking mm-hmm. of access to God. Like, it just, the amount of lack of faith in that area because like you said with the transubstantiation with him presenting the he's like oh i can't even pray to god because he's so high above me but the scriptures tell us that he could have accessed him with boldness right just the lack of that but i'm i'm going to assert too as you say that that but this is actually where god wants each of us before we find christ absolutely this is luther's in a good place as it as it comes to Getting him, getting him prepared to hear, which we're going to get into here shortly. Right. Getting him to hear those type of, of messages and passages in Scripture. Um, so I want, to, I want to pause for a moment because you're you've described Luther in a particular way. I think it's ac- accurate in terms of the inner turmoil um, before God. And uh, I I I, th- I think, and this is more like just my more pastoral moment in my own head, that that's. While it's maddening on the one hand, you see what it's doing to him spiritually. Mm-hmm. Like it's, what are you dependent upon, Luther? It's like we're gonna strip that away. Yeah, and uh, that's a good thing. And him constantly being driven to God in prayer, right? While it's not his salvific moment yet, you see what God's doing. Like even even before the Lord saved me in my early twenties, I would you know party, you know do all the dumb things and then at 2 a.m. I'm finding myself in front at the grotto at the college I was at the Catholic college I was at lighting candles and praying mm. asking God for forgiveness I can't tell you how many times I've repeated that yeah you know so it is, it is the maddening part of like ah this sin it's ever before me and, and, and you know I'm not comparing my sin with Luther <laughs> he's worried about drinking his coffee and faith <laughs> and here I am living it up yeah and they are living it down man this but, is why I well, go ahead. No, I was going to say like there, there, there is something important um, if you're not living in faith and in Christ mm. about being driven to the point of dependence. Now we're raising kids in homes where it's like I tell my kids I don't want you to grow up like me. Right, right. We're, we're catechizing our, our children. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. I want you to grow up like your mother. <laughs> Everyone, <laughs> everyone serves as an example. You serve as a bad one. Yeah, exactly. thank you. <laughs> yeah, no, it's actually a really good point. Yeah, and you know, and then to some degree, Luther, not you know, he wasn't a Huguenot, and they were, they were in France, of course, where they knew the gospel. Uh, he did not know the gospel. Yeah, and and until you hear the gospel and you've been changed by the gospel, you will be driven mad. You know, he had an accurate assessment of the weight of sin. That's a good way to put it. And this but, is why I didn't identify because I grew up that same way in the Roman Catholic system. Mm-hmm. Um, I I had that same haunting view of God. I I, de- I definitely had no assurance uh, of my salvation mm-hmm. growing up a Catholic, and uh, so this is why I I definitely love Luther. Here, here's what I want us to do right now because we're at the 44, 45 minute. Okay, mark. I want you to lead us up. Continue on with with the biography, guys, and let's get to his, the point he was saved, and then we're gonna pause. And then we're gonna we're gonna end it, and then we'll do a part two on Luther. 
just because I think it's, it should be better to break it up that way. So let's continue on. Okay. Um, well, I would say that um, at this point, uh, one of the things that was helpful for Luther in this struggle was, um, ironically, one of the one of the, the the leaders at the monastery. I think his name is Johannes Staupitz. 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 Who recommended to Luther in all of this struggle? Kind that, of his mentor, by the way. Yeah, to go to the scriptures. Yeah. Which is unusual for in that day for yeah, a Roman Catholic, and he said, "Go to the Scriptures and go to Christ," and and ultimately, uh, Martin Luther would be appointed as the uh, he would he would be sent to the University of Wittenberg, where he would ultimately get his doctorate in mm-hmm. theology, mm-hmm. Um, and then he would start engaging in lectures mm-hmm. on. Books like the Psalms, the Book of Romans, Galatians, Hebrews. Um, those are fantastic books when it comes to ultimately finding the gospel. But again, um, at this point, we can't say with certainty that the no. Lord was saved. saved. Nope. Well, no, in fact, there's a lot of dispute about when he was saved. Right. Was he saved? If we're going to have part two, I don't want to give a lot away the thunder, uh, give away a lot of the thunder, but it, there's a. The, the, there's, there's, <laughs> there's the. Um, there's the um, um, the they call it the tower experience, mm, right? Right. And 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 so there's there's the the general thinking is perhaps it was between 1518 and 1521, mm-hmm. so it had been post 95 thesis because that was in. Uh, 1517. Because the 95 right. Theses was like, I'm going to complain about the Catholic Church. And the big issues was indulgences. Oh, exactly. Yeah. It wasn't even addressing uh, how justification. Right. Right. So that's there's a, there's that's an important historical nugget of like, where 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 does all this place in the, on the timeline? So if you want to, um, so he's he's preaching. And by by the way, as a university professor. Uh, Luther also taught and preached at the local churches. Sure. Um, in fact, it's been suggested in his lifetime he preached over 3,000 sermons. He engaged in the practical life of the church. Um, this becomes important because he he pretty much preaches for the rest of his life after he's excommunicated. That's later. Oh, yeah. Where do you, where do you want to head from here? Well, let's, let's say, when, when does Luther go to Rome? Because that was a transformative. That was about 1514, I believe. Yeah, it's good. Cause so that was, was during his, that was still during his time where he's a, he's a teacher. Yep. He goes on this pilgrimage. You can, you, why don't you talk Well, that was transformative for him because he goes to Rome. So and he, uh, think of it this way. You grow up in Germany, right? Yep. Uh, you're in 14th, 15th, 16th century Germany. And you have this idea of Rome. Like nowadays we go on Google and we're like, Rome. And we're like, oh, look at all these beautiful buildings. But here there's something mythic about Rome. And, sure. And the, and the, it's like the people that idolize Israel. Sure. And it's like, oh, it's, it's all these wonderful things. And, da, da, da. and then you get there and you're kind of like, my hopes and dreams. <laughs> just absolutely dashed. Oh, oh, oh. There's a, I forget what it's called, but the, this literally happens to the city of Paris. Mm-hmm. There's a literally a, a thing that happens where people have such an idealized and romanticized version of what Paris is like. Mm-hmm. And then they go and visit Paris and it's actually kind of crap. Oh, is and, it? Yeah. Because <laughs> it's like, it's, it's taking a huge that off, city. Taking that off the bucket list. It's a huge list. city. So there's like, <laughs> you know, it's dirtier than you expect yeah, yeah, and stuff yeah. like that. And you get so disillusioned it like... There's an actual medical name for it. Yeah, but similar sure. to that. Well, yeah, and it makes so he goes to Rome and he you know climbs these stairs saying a prayer and but he sees all the corruption that's that's going on within this you know this venerable city right this the place where the Pope lives you know where, where this is where the church lives basically and uh, that, that that it was it was transformative for him. Go ahead. Paris syndrome, uh, and it is a sense of extreme disappointment exhibited by some individuals when visiting Paris who feel like the city was not what they had expected. <laughs> so it's a real thing. <laughs> it's a real thing. All right, so, so in this case for him, maybe it was Roman Ro- syndrome. Yeah, Roman syndrome. Where it's like, oh, I got there, and uh, hey, why why is the priest sleeping with the prostitute? Is that supposed to be at it? What's go? I thought we're supposed to be celibate. What? Uh, I got questions. So, anyways. Uh, that certainly shaped him years later as he's now up to, you know, hammering the 95 thesis on the Wittenberg Chapel door. Because as you mentioned earlier, it's a, it was complaints about indulgences, but it's just complaints about the Catholic Church in general, whether it be its authority 
and the abuse of authority within Absolutely. the Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. And you know, the, the best way to think about indulgences is kind of like a modern-day televangelist on TV mm-hmm. offering you something if you send money. Yeah, I think and that's they. You could literally buy your loved ones out of heaven. That's what they were offering. Yeah. not out of heaven. Out of actually. purgatory. Yeah, out of purgatory. Yeah. Purgatory. Yeah, because they have this structure. For those that don't know, is the idea of like when you die um, for unrepented sins. I believe you guys can correct me because I've only. Yeah, studied. thanks for that correction. By the way, we're not trying to get them out of heaven. Right. <laughs> we're trying yeah, to get yeah, them out yeah. of purgatory. Yeah, it's like so. This idea of like, all right, you're dying, dying with unrepented sins. Well, you can't go to heaven where there's perfection. You have to be first cleansed. And that is where purgatory is, which I it, heard is a like a place of punishment, a, pa- a, a place of waiting. Sure. Uh, absence. Yep. Um, I think the other thing is you, if you, let's say I had my great, great aunt Debbie. Yep. Uh, she's in purgatory. Mm-hmm. I can buy the indulgence on behalf of Debbie. Yep. And then, so works, works not, and, and not only that, it was used in, in more horrific ways within the Catholic, Catholic church, which was this. There's examples in church history where it's like, the cardinal comes to these this uh, disreputable uh, individual, and he's like, "Hey, listen, um, Johnny, uh, I'm, I'm gonna hi hi Johnny Johnny. I got I got something I want you to do for me. Okay, what? I want you to murder two people. Uh, okay. But good news is, uh huh, I'm gonna give you enough indulgences where you're actually not gonna be held accountable for your actions." Sign me on the dotted line. Yeah, right. So you get the right, you get the right, or I guess the that, wrong person. Did that actually ha- like you? Would... Okay, We're gonna, he shrugged for the audio listeners. Yeah, I, I'm just saying. I'm not saying. I'm just saying. I've read things about uh, that time period. Oh, boy. Well, yeah, and I'm not the, surprised. Yeah, and, corruption in the and church at, was insane at that moment. Yeah, and at this time during Luther's, weren't they trying to raise funds for a new cathedral? Was it St. Peter's Cathedral? Yeah, in Rome. In Rome. So it's like we need money to yep. build this structure. <laughs> so <laughs> a like, coin in the coffers. Uh, what is it? Coin every time a coin in the coffer rings, a soul, soul out of purgatory, purgatory springs. springs. John yeah. Tetzel. All right, let's let's land the plane there, okay? Uh, and then for those of you who are listening or watching on YouTube. Uh, you just want be on the lookout for part two of Martin Luther. Uh, there's a lot more for us to discuss. Uh, and so we hope you enjoy this particular episode and enjoy the next episode of Martin Luther. Logan, I need you to tell people where they can find all the things. Cornfieldtheology.com, YouTube, Spotify, Amazon, Mute Podcast. Yeah, yeah probably. Right. Also, you can sign up to get emails from cornfieldtheology.com by going to the website, going to the bottom of the page, putting your email in, and uh, we don't spam you or anything like that. Mm. But uh, every time a, a blog drops, it gets sent to your inbox, so you know it's there. Also, make sure to leave us a five-star review because it helps in the algorithm. And if you think we're less than five stars, not worth your time to vote. Yeah, don't vote. Yeah, it's yeah, not worth your time. Do you recruit people to do five-star? Yeah. Uh, do you pay? Do you pay, uh, do, do you pay for the five-star? Yeah, so uh, ev- for every five-star that dings a soul from Purgatory Springs. <laughs> Excellent. Well, thanks, everyone, for listening to Cornfield Theology. Uh, take care. God bless. Bye. You're listening to an audio resource from Redemption Hill Church. This resource is not meant to be a replacement for participation at a local church, but an accessory to the care you're receiving from your own pastors. To learn more about Redemption Hill Church or to give to our ministry, visit redemptionhilldsm.org.